The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Is a head podcast. I'm Elizabeth Larkin from the Hartford. I'm talking very, very quickly today. No, you're doing fine. Really? I'm keeping up. Okay. I had a little extra caffeine this morning. So today we're going to talk about a reader's reaction to one of your articles uh, that was posted on Small Positive, Biz Ahead. I'm sure. You know, every time you post an article on Small Biz Ahead, I we get, get people beating so up many comments on it. People like telling you, you're a horrible person. I'm a jerk. And then other people, people, <laughs> other people totally agreeing with you. Yeah. But this actually wasn't a very controversial um, article you wrote for us. It was called Five Big Email Marketing Mistakes You Should Avoid. So right. after the break, we're going to go through some of those mistakes, and then we're going to answer a question from Mark P. in Warren, Michigan, Okay. about how to kind of set up a, a newsletter. So um, the email marketing is, is, not only is it far from dead, Elizabeth, it is very much alive thriving. and very popular. It okay. is thriving. So, um, and I have more and more of my clients um, are, have been actually refocusing themselves on Great. email marketing because they realize people read you get newsletters, right? Yeah. I read, I read them. So after we hear from our sponsor, we'll be right back to tackle that topic. This podcast is brought to you by the Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, the Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers with property liability and workers compensation insurance. Check out the Hartford small business insurance at the Hartford.com. So here's today's question. It's from Mark P. in Warren, Michigan. It, I think it's Michigan, right? The the initial is M-I? That's Michigan. Okay, great. Yes, Elizabeth, that would be Michigan. All right, I'm M-I. sorry. I don't... P-A is? Pennsylvania. C-T is? Connecticut. Good. All right, one oh, more. Thought... F-L. Florida. Okay, That's an, All right. Those are easy We're on a roll. Ones. Okay, so actually P-A doesn't really make sense for Pennsylvania. Well, the last the, the last um, letter is, is an A. So that's true. Pennsylvania. So. That's true. Okay. See, like Connecticut. See, it's like C, and then the last letter yep. is a T. So Mark Should we start P- the server? <laughs> no, I'm go sorry, ahead. everyone. I'm sorry. Uh, obviously, Gene had a lot of gaffes today as well. I'm a specialist at the state abbreviations. <laughs> so Mark P. from Warren, Michigan asks, Gene, I read your article, Five Big Email Marketing Mistakes You Should Avoid. Right. I have a question. Are these email marketing services, because you did suggest some in your article and we will link to this article so you can read it. Are these email marketing services supposed to be only used to contact someone that opted into your newsletter or somehow contacted you at some point? We have a list of potential contacts that have never heard about our company, but we are concerned about being labeled as spammers if we send them emails or newsletters through our services. So I just want to jump in really quickly and and talk about the different people he's talking about. So you can have a couple different audiences here, people that opt in to receive your newsletter. Right. So that means that they signed up at some point and were yes. told, I am going to get this newsletter. Right. And then just people that contacted your business, like maybe they sent in like a, on a contact form and it included their email. So those are people. So let's call those the people that contacted you. Right. So we have the opt-in, the people that contacted you. And then he's also talking about a third group of people, potential contacts. I don't know how they contact. I mean, if they contacted the business, I guess we'll we'll call those 
contactors, but I'm not sure how he got that list together. And then Gene, I'm going to let you run with this. So, you know, it's because I struggle with this all the time, guys. I mean, I, I've been using email marketing services for years and I've been, um, I've, I've been shut down on a few of them. You know, <laughs> I I've, you I've constant contact, for example, which is awesome. They're a great service. They, we were getting into a thing where like every six months we would go to send out a newsletter and we were being told, you know, you know, you're not allowed to do this contact our auditors, if you can imagine. And then we would go and we would contact, um, and they would say, listen, we see on your newsletter list, you have a lot of sales at and info at addresses, and those are suspicious. Um, how are you collecting them? What are you doing with them? Did they opt in? Did they not? And then, you know, we explain to them, yes, and what we do, and we sell software that's geared towards salespeople. Yep. So, you know, they happen to have those addresses. And then they say, fine, and then they eventually open us up. Here's the, here's, here's the bottom line, Elizabeth, right? For these email marketing services, they don't want to know about spammers. They do not, they want your, they want everybody on your list to have opted in period, black and white. That's they can get it. in a lot of trouble, right? It's not even just them getting into trouble. Their job is not to compose your email and it's not to design your email. It's not even to give you any content ideas. Their job is to deliver your email. That's all their job is. Now they give you a lot of tools to work with, but, and again, constant contact, MailChimp, you know, my Emma, you know, all these great services. Yeah. You know, Django mail is another one. That's great. Uh, There's a bunch of them, right? The really good ones, uh, you know, that, that are, you know, in that tier, they, they, their job is to deliver your email. So if they, if they start sending out a lot of uh, emails that are spam or that or that people didn't opt in and people get complaints and uh, whatever, um, the main email service providers, the Gmails and the Yahoos and the Microsofts and the you know all the, that are excited, they're they're not going to allow emails to come from their servers, and there goes their business. Yep. So if you're constant contact, you're like, we got to make sure that our subscribers, our members, they're, they're sending they're out on the up and up. Yeah, they're sending up. But otherwise, we're we got a problem. Our whole business model gets gets you know, it's a problem. So what would you recommend for Mark then? He has these contacts. Would you recommend he emails them yes. and says, would you like to opt into our newsletter? Yeah, I've, I've had to, I've learned this the hard way. I, so, Mark, I mean, honestly, I've tried it all. Um, I've tried just throwing people on our email list. I've tried just buying lists and then blasting it out to people, whatever. And it always gets me into trouble. I, I Just full disclosure, I've tried all that stuff. And I've got a pretty thick skin for people like complaining, take me off your list and whatever. But um, you kind of thrive on it. I kind of I kind of enjoy it a little bit. But the, but the but the email service providers, that's where I draw the line because then I can't use them anymore and then i don't i don't want them to blacklist me so the to answer your question yes um you everybody's got to opt in so it you should have on your website and by the way the good email service providers will provide you with these tools to do like a sign up button for example that you can put on your website and you say hi you know thanks for reaching out to me uh would would you like to sign up to our newsletter if you would click on this link and then they opt in you know and that's what you want them doing is opting in for his current list right now where he just says contacts and they're but it actually calls them potential contacts. Mm. Would it be okay to email those people once and ask them to opt into so a regular newsletter? You can ask your email service provider if that's something that they would allow doing. Um, I don't know if they're going to really be that helpful. Um, what I would recommend that you do is you just send emails from your regular email program, not to thousands of people at a time, but maybe, you know, 50 or a hundred a day. Um, and it should be a personalized email and saying, if you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, click on, here's a link, please sign up there. And then you've got that process in place to do that. Um, you know, you have people complaining about you to the, to the email service providers. They will shut you down. They will shut you down if you get enough complaints out. And then it's a real pain to get yourself back into status. So. 
I'm gonna offer a challenge to Gene and I, he does not know about this ahead of time, but let's say you're a small business and right. you wanna build your email list. If you come to Small Biz Ahead, click on the podcast tab and you scroll down to this podcast, open the show notes in the comments, ask us a question, tell us a little bit about your business and we will come up with a couple ways you can get people to join your email sure. list. Sure, yeah, I've got lots of ideas. marketing ideas. Yeah, I've got you. lots of ideas to do that. So that's a little, just a little gift from Jean and I to you. Because <laughs> we care, Elizabeth. We, we do, care we about care. you. I that's want, right. I want our our customers here to, to our listeners to build their email list. Absolutely right. And it's a really great thing to do. I mean, we could go into like all the stats, but you really do. If you don't have an email list, it really is worth cultivating that now. Correct. And I do have to say, I mean, there is, you know, eMarketer does a study every year on on um, email usage, and it's still the primary way of communication yeah. for 95% of the businesses um, in the US and Western Europe. Um, and email newsletters get read. I mean, it's a really good, valuable thing. In the article that I wrote, though, I gave some tips about how to best send out your newsletter, because you don't want to send out junky yeah. newsletters. Um, but, you know, but, you know, if you follow some of those rules in the article, um, and then you just, you, you team up with a good email, you know, an email service provider. One other thing, uh, just the, the email service providers, they, they want to do everything they possibly can to help you get your emails through. So um, if you are going to do it, take the time not only to use one of their templates, but also use one of their spam tests. They will scan your email and look to see, to tell you how probable it is it might be caught by your recipient's spam okay. filter. <clears throat> Those tests are actually very, very helpful to do. It takes a few extra minutes to do, but it's worth it. All right, we'll be right back with Gene's Word of Brilliance. Are you looking for a great idea to start a new business? Well, Small Biz Ahead has 99 of them for you. Our new ebook, 99 New Small Business Ideas, is the first place you should look if you're interested in starting your business. You'll learn about everything from business service industries that could lead to lucrative freelance work, emerging industries such as solar panel installation and professional blogging, and even tech industries that could turn into the next big thing. Head on over to smallbizahead.com and click the link in the show notes to download your free copy today. We're back with Gene's Word of Brilliance. Gene, what is your word this week? It is another non-word. It's a number. It's a it's, name. It's, a, it's 529 is what the okay, is what is. That's a college fund, right? It is, but oh, see, I'm glad that you said that because <laughs> it's it used to be just a college fund, but no longer. It has been expanded. So so guys, let me explain to you what a 529 plan is because you, you really got to consider getting one. And this is whether you have kids or not. Because um, a 529 plan is an after-tax fund uh, for you to put after-tax money away, but it grows tax-free and can be withdrawn tax-free without any penalties as long as you're using it to purchase higher education or because the rules have changed with the Tax Reform Act now, private school tuition or religious school tuition as well. And remember that a 529 plan does not have to be for your kids. It can be for anybody. So, for example, my niece just had a daughter. She's one year old. Um, she, you know, you know, she has this whole list. They, they, she had the one year old party, Elizabeth, and she had like a wish list of like things <laughs> to buy, you know, like like all these yeah. crazy toys for a one year old. Right. Yeah. So I refused to participate in of that nonsense. You did. Right. So I got a 529 plan set up. This is for my niece, uh, my niece's daughter. I don't even know. My um, your grand, grand niece, grand niece, great niece, yeah. whatever. Okay. This is great niece. I think it is. Great. Yeah. So this is for my great niece. I set up a 529 plan. And, um, and what I did is I, you know, I put a hundred bucks into it 
and because it's for her and it's in her name and it will grow tax free over time. And once she decides to, she might use it for private school someday or religious school or just saving up for college. Cause I don't know if you know this or not, but college is kind of expensive. Oh my God. Yes. So the more help that you can get, right. Growing your money tax free, the the more beneficial that it is. Not only am I going to do it for her, but her, my, my niece and her husband, they're very, very nice people. But when their birthdays come, I'm not going to get them a dinner or a special. He's into superheroes. I'm not getting him his superhero DVDs or whatever. I'm going to put money into their their daughter's 529 plan. Perfect. That's the kind of guy that yeah, I Yeah, that, that is a Gene Mark's gift. That's exactly. <laughs> and you know who I learned this from is I learned it from uh, years ago when my, you know, we have kids that are, we have twins and then my older one is only 11 months older. So they're all the same age. And, you know, it's, you got to imagine, you can imagine, right. But back in the day, uh, I was told to set up a 529 plan and we did, and we put money away every year. And then I had some of my relatives, my parents and whatever would put money into it as well. And that grew. And by the time they went to college, that really came in handy. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really good. You must have been so, like exhausted for like two or three years. It was. We we did not finish a conversation for about four years <laughs> or whatever we are with everybody. And we had more diapers changed, you know. Oh and as a gosh. memento, what we did is we we didn't throw out any of the diapers. We saved all the diapers <laughs> from our kids because we just wanted to remember those years. So sometimes we bring them out and, you know, I'm just kidding. We, we, we threw them out. Reminisce. <laughs> <laughs> over the diapers. So, but anyway, 529 plans are big. Every They're regulated by your state. So every state has them. Talk to your bank, talk to your financial advisor, talk to your CPA, or you can Google 529 plan and your state. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see plenty of people that offer them. When I set up the 529 plan for my great niece, it was minutes to get yeah. it. So I did the whole thing online. Um, and then I just, you know, transferred money. Is there know, any tax it. benefit to you? No, there is none. It's after tax money. So okay. it's not that, but the tax benefit is, is that it grows tax free. So again, if it's your kid and if you're going to help pay for your kid's education, you might as well let the money grow, you know, tax free. And by the way, there's no limit to what you can contribute. So you can get, you know, there's no like, you know, 401k plan, you're limited to like 18 grand a you year know, or whatever. I, I don't want to get no too limit. controversial here mm-hmm. because that's usually what you do. Yes. I have heard a lot of people now because college is so expensive. A lot of parents are like, I'm not even going to save for college because I can't possibly do it. My kids are going to have to take loans out. Yeah. But I'm thinking horrible. this might be actually a way to do that. Yeah without it being too painful. Right. It's a, listen, everybody wants to save for college and this is a, a good way Not to do it. Not everybody saves for college. No, yeah, no. I know. And But this it could hopefully help people do that. And let's not even go there about the cost of college because that's a whole other, you know, forget about it. But I know. it is what it is, okay? And the hope is that if you're a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt and you want your, you know, your, your loved ones to go to college one day and you'd like to help them out, every dollar would help. By the way, the um, money that you take out doesn't have to be just for tuition. It's college-related expenses. So it, you are qualified to take it out for like textbooks, housing, housing. food, if you're on a meal plan, like not beer, you know. But, That's you know, too bad. Yeah, but, it, but it's, it, it can come in very, very useful. And um, we all know it'll grow. And by the way, one other thing, the 529 plans, like a 401k plan um, you know, for retirement, you can choose different funds. 
So it's not just sitting there earning 2% a year. I mean, yeah. you can set up different stock and bond funds or whatever, and then you now, know, decide you where you want it invested. 529 for a trade school. It doesn't have to be. It, it's right now. That's a good question for a trade school. It's for higher education. I think a trade school would qualify I'm going to guess that it is, but I would definitely check first before you know, to make sure. But I would guess that a trade school would probably and apply. And it could also be used for a master's degree. It could be. PhD That studies. is correct. Okay. That is correct. But I think also where I, I, with the new changes to it from the tax reform act, um, you know, if you know your kids, you know, your, your, your kids have a, your grandkid and you know, the grandkid one day is going to go to some private school in the neighborhood or a Catholic school or something like that. You can start putting money away and, you know, 10 years from now when they're, you know, or 12 years when they get to middle school, built up like a nice tax-free savings to help with the tuition because those schools ain't cheap either. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks for the tips, Gene. 529 plans. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.